phone sometimes. He'll just do his phone, and he's great. Not because of how he sounds, because of what he says. Doesn't uh, Bill Burr also use his phone? I couldn't tell you. He very well might. I, I think there are a lot of people who do that, and they do just fine. Uh, second of all, is it hot in here? Is it hot? I mean, what, am I sweating? Well, no, because I like it to be hot, you know, and uh, some people might come in here and be like, damn, James, it's, it's hot in here, and well, I, I just did not know. I'm fresh in from outside, okay. and I'm a big boy, so, like, I, I with all the temperature around me, I keep it, okay? All I'm right. probably going to be this cold for another hour. Oh. I don't acclimate quickly. Okay, okay. Makes sense, because I was, before I was getting into, like, top political stories, I, like... Uh, reading up on ancient earth and uh, different eons and uh, oh, eras and stuff like that. So I was just wrapping my mind around uh, the big body earth keeping uh, its heat after its uh, colossal glide with uh, the moon. And, you know, I was just wrapping my mind. So when you said that, I was like, okay, now that shit makes sense to me. Because at first I'm like, yeah, right. You know, kind of skeptical overall of all science. But, oh, know, I, listen, I, I hear you, man. I was listening to uh, listening to some people yesterday talking about Einstein, mm -hmm. about this uh, this sort of cult of Einstein, where you know you have uh, you have people who are challenging his uh, theory of relativity. The CERN, do you remember CERN? Yeah. Uh, they um, don't they, they have two facilities? Einstein. They, you know, I couldn't tell you. They very well might. I think they got like one in France. That's like the small one, and the big one is in um, Switzerland. Is that right? Yes. You know, I, I, I believe that's that. right. Um, <laughs> some reason I had it in my mind that uh, well, it was in Texas, but uh, I'm so sorry for cutting you off, man. Not at all. Not at all. No, this is um. So so what I was saying was that um, if you remember, CERN came out with this result. They said, hey, we got this uh, neutrino that went faster than light. Disproved yeah, Einstein. Like that. They disproved uh, one of Einstein's theory. They found a hole in it. And you know what happened? The media, the New York Times especially, the New York Times, they got in front of it. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, this is, this is unbelievable. We're going to wait and see what happens. And, and two days later, they came out and they said, well, we had a, a computer malfunction. You know, the, the, uh, the circuit board, we, we tripped a breaker. You know, that wasn't true. Einstein is still true. There are all these concepts and theories, even in hard sciences. I, I was talking to a buddy who, who's a, mm -hmm. in a PhD program for math, and he's telling me, even in hard sciences, people will come out with challenges to the sort of accepted, on its face, you know, taken for granted um, uh, things in education, mm -hmm. in academia, um, and they get shut right down because they're threatening one of these tent poles that holds up this tent. Mm -hmm. um, and one of those tent poles is, yeah, Einstein's theory of relativity. Um, but there, this happens obviously in social sciences, but people are surprised sometimes to find out it's happening in hard science too yeah science really is like the basis of all objective truth and not subjective truth and these political scientists and basically journalists are very subjective in their aims in the science world they have this agenda and like you was just saying they keep falling on their face like they're thinking they're going to land on something but they land right on their face when they come out with these uh, knee-jerk articles instead of real hypothesis like really trying to contribute to the science community well they're not they're not sort of coming upon knowledge like a child you know like you're supposed to as a scientist you're not yeah they're not, exactly they're not making observations 
they're starting with goals. They have social political goals and whatever they observe, whatever they test for mm -hmm. is to the end of promoting and proving these political social goals, um, furthering the ends, their political ends. Um, and now when they, when, when they, and you'll see, there's this massive replication process. I study psychology. There's this massive replication problem in the field of psychology. And a lot of that is because these ideological psychologists, these people doing these tests, mm -hmm. uh, they'll have a study and they won't like the outcome, so they won't publish the result. And then they'll do another study and they'll like the outcome, so they'll publish that result. Uh... That reminds me of when people are debunking racial science and uh, intelligence. That, yeah. That's what it reminds me of. They're, they're accusing Murray of doing that when in fact themselves they're cherry picking information and then brushing a very broad stroke of, yeah, this is all debunked. Yeah, well, and that's what they do. They don't, you'll never hear description. Here's what happened. Here's how it was debunked. I'll never uh, forget. I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, Spencer, you know, he's a black, um, talking to him about the bell curve, mm -hmm. you know, early topic, early when I first was red pilled, very, very early. Days. I remember when you mentioned this. Yeah. And, and so he came back. So I talked to him about that one day and we were having this conversation and, um, he came back the next day. I saw him again and he said, Hey Luke, you know, that book, the bell curve, it turns out it's been debunked. And so I said, really, how? What? Who did it? Who debunked it? What does that mean? <laughs> and he said, it just has been debunked, Luke. Once you hit it with that word, it's canceled. All the ideas can be dismissed out of hand. Because someone in a lab coat said, debunked. It's, it's, it's this totally facile, sort of fake, fraudulent word that people just stick on things they don't like. And uh, rather than interacting with the ideas or the commentary, they're just going to go ahead and hit it down. And the fascinating thing about science is it goes around the community multiple times. Just as a hypothesis before it's even theorized as an actual theory, let alone a fact. So when Eastern scientists are reviewing their own ancestry and picking up skulls and science relativity... They come out with the same conclusion as us Westerners. And then you got these far niche Westerners that saying, yeah, y'all Westerners are wrong. And then you turn on the Asian news and India news. Actual scientists in Iran learning about their own ancestry come out with the same conclusions that Homo sapiens all evolved at different paces in different regions. Well, and, for and very specific reasons and not this broad, you know, stroke that Oh, everybody's created the same, you know, that yeah. that very stupid shit that they always say, well, for lack of better terms. Well, yeah, I mean, you have you have two real possibilities here. I mean, I'll, I'll guess you have three possibilities. I'll, I'll focus on two possibilities. So one of them is evolution is true, okay? Evolution is the effects of the environment selecting for certain uh, qualities in, in an animal mm -hmm. that over time you know animals who are more successful in certain environments breed environment animals that are less successful in those environments either don't breed or they die um, and eventually after thousands of years 
you come to people who are very well suited to a particular environment. And the earth is a, is a various place. The other opportunity, the other possibility, rather, is um, mm -hmm. no, people are special, they're different. Now, I actually agree that people are special and that people are, are unique among the animals. I think, I think it takes a lot of sort of mental gymnastics to just say, like, people uh, indistinct from other animals, our distinctiveness is just something that we happen to see. It's a self-centered distinctiveness. Yes, subjective um, reality. But I think, I think that there is a unique thing about humans. However, does that mean that we are completely separate and in a vacuum from the rest of society and nature and history? I, I think we are affected by our environment over time just as anything. You even see this in your life, in your own personal life. I totally agree. This is intuitive. And that 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 side that comes with, um, you know, criticism is cool. I, I welcome it even on uh, my basis. But their criticism comes from a destruction of the basis with a replacement of something that isn't foundationally accurate. They're postmodern. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing when you talk about Iranian scientists. Like, what are they not in Iran? They're not postmodernists. They're not relativists. They're not looking to try to retcon uh, some political motive into fact finding. They don't care about none of that shit. Well, they care about themselves. They care about their people. Yeah, obviously. Okay? The Iranians are a particular people. They are an extended family. They treat each other that way. They're a traditional society. Um, the globalists, these um, financial elite, these plutocrats. Plutocrats, these, that's uh, a new one. Yeah, well, these, these rich people who run governments, who are in charge of everything, these oligarchs, how, are motivated to shuffle the around the people of the world as if it's their playpen. When I said the word oligarchy to a very left-leaning friend, he was like, no, no, there's no oligarchy. You don't know what oligarchy means. I'm like, bro, if I said that, I think I know what I'm talking about. Now, please correct me if you will. And he could not even tell me where does our oligarchy came from. And I began to break it down even from Roman times when they used to say oligarchy in the publis of, of, of just the very basis of that word. Rel is relevant to this very day. Of course it is. I I'm surprised that a leftist would be critical of the idea of an ol oligarchy. I leftists, uh, especially Marxists, uh, which is the tendency of leftism, um, they focus entirely on these material investigations, on uh, on creating these um, these Hegelian dialectics where they compare these material realities against one another. Hmm. Um, when you do that, you find that, they, that society is organized a certain way and there are certain people who you can categorize as oligarchs. That's a useful term. Yeah, and it's, it's ironic that their, their implementing of the action is oligarchy, basically. But they're saying, no, it's not oligarchy. It's, it's not totalitarian. But in order to implement what they're suggesting does require totalitarian. Well, it's freedom. They sold you this bill of goods. They said, they said, here's what they do. 
uh, ready, it's a it's a small microcosm of a bigger picture. Look at Twitter. So Twitter, this big platform, public, everybody's allowed on it. Mm-hmm. Well, public, quote unquote. Yeah, everyone's yeah, allowed to be on it, right? Everybody, and and you can see from what's on Twitter. If you look through Twitter, what you read is a public consensus. You see that, and you say, oh, this is how the public feels. These are the tendencies and desires of just the average man on the street. <laughs> what you're not seeing is that Twitter is curated by these oligarchs, by these business elites, these rootless cosmopolitans. And, I, and I'll give you an insider on what was the first crack that made them turn that way is black Twitter, unfortunately. When they started trending with their stupid trends and that dominated the overall American trend as the global front and top news of Twitter, that's what was the first breach that made Twitter like, all right, fuck this. We need to alter our algorithms a little more. So that's not so free based to just what everybody's reacting to. Well, if you'll remember, um, Twitter was going to be sold to Disney a couple of years ago. It was going to be sold to Disney. Maybe Still 20... not, though. I'm well, gonna... the... Uh... What happened was it was it was going to be sold to Disney. Jack Dorsey was selling Twitter to Disney. And mm. um, just before, like the week before the sale was going to go through, mm-hmm. Jonathan Greenblatt of the ADL gets in touch with Disney and says, Hey, you're gonna buy this platform with all these anti-Semites? Look at all the look at all this stuff. Everyone, apparently, if you open up the uh, microphone to everyone to talk, everybody's secretly really anti-Semitic. So, um, they're saying, okay, Disney, you're really going to buy this platform for billions of dollars? And Disney goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait, I didn't say that. I'm not going to buy your platform. And Jack Dorsey says, fine. Okay, I'm going to sell out the stakeholders in my company, the, Ooh, the users, to yeah. the shareholders. These same people who are in the ADL. These Jonathan Greenblatt's. Um, so in order to make the sale to Disney all right okay to go through so there was this mass purge on twitter mm-hmm. um, and they talk about this every once in a while but this was the first big purge that i can remember people really talking about what's a disney stakeholder purge it was the adl jonathan greenblatt purge disney disney was just saying well if the adl comes in and says, okay, Disney is anti-Semitic. Look, they've already tried that with Disney. They said, Walt Disney's a Nazi. He's anti-Semitic. Look at all these old Disney movies. We've got to change what Disney is. Now look at what Disney is. Look at the movies they make. How can this multi, multi, billions and billions of dollars company not make a simple, entertaining popcorn action flick for infinity budget? They can't. They can't make it. They had to build off the skeleton of what was before they bought it to make it successful. They were riding off the curtails of Marvel Comics. Mm. Just just the bare strength of that to come out with a $2 billion grossing. And it's still not better than Avatar or Titanic, unfortunately. Well, no. I, well, I, I mean, look at Star Wars. They take this franchise, this beloved franchise that makes 
a killing. You every, know, every I wasn't going to include uh, media, you know, like, like you know, that into it. But, you know, we could dive in before no, that, we start that's, on that's the political I mean, list. Really, to, um, to just get back to my original point with Twitter, I was, I was using that as kind of an example of how, how these elites use, quote-unquote, freedom to make you kind of think that everything that is going on is just a... Uh, just everybody agrees to it. It's just the consensus. It's the public consensus. They're using it's the tyranny of freedom. It's anarcho tyranny. Okay, mm. everybody can do whatever they want. Private companies can get away with ev everything. The government will not protect you for your constitutional rights if it's a private business that's infringing on them. At that point, what's the purpose of this constitution? Just to keep the government away from you? Well, what happens? when Twitter and Facebook are more impactful on your personal life and you deal more with them than the DMV. What's the point of living in America like that? Bro, you're dropping bombs right now. It feels like I wanna, I wanna, I wanna bait it to that, um, into that topic, but I do wanna digress into well, we'll the list. We'll go back to that some other time. We'll, we'll do that some other time. I'm gonna keep that in the back of my head though. Well, it's 2020 though. I mean, now it's time, it's time to talk about 2020. Yo, 2020. Now I can answer uh, your question. 2020, I was on my knees praying to the God, praying mm -hmm. to God, and uh, then next day going over to my grandparents' house. That's what we usually do, have dinner, play games, just spend that first day of the new year together what about you well for uh for new year's eve you know i was uh, i was originally going to go into my brother's apartment in brooklyn and uh you know i don't drink but he's been asking me for a while you know are you gonna drink are you gonna drink and i'm like eh, maybe i'll have a beer or something turns out that night i get off work i give him a call and he says we're going bar hopping i'm going bar hopping with my friend who uh you we go anyway anyway long story short i didn't go to brooklyn <laughs> Okay. Uh, so I stuck around. So I you kept to, uh, your sobriety close. Yes, I did. I did, which was which is was the right thing to do. Although you know, I would like like to see my brother, of course. But uh, I went over to a friend's house, and then uh, next day, New Year's Day, I did uh, I did homework. I did schoolwork. Mm. But it was nice. I definitely, as I do every night, I was praying, and. Uh, that night, New Year's Eve, I really, I thought a lot about what this past decade has been, and it really just feels to me like this beginning of a new decade is an opportunity for a lot of changes, so I was praying to God about that. I was, I was praying that things, I was praying that people reconnect with, with the reality they're supposed to be connected to. Because it really felt like this past decade was was disconnected from reality completely. I felt like we jumped into a new timeline. Things were crazy. Yeah. Set of pedophiles, satanic elite networks, uh, fucking Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Like what? I do got one topic on him. I I'm sure. I'm sure. I've got a little bit about him also. I mean, I, my point there is just. I I'm ready to think the Yeti's real. Like all these things I started the decade thinking were bullshit and crazy fringe conspiracy theories. Right now, uh, second day of 2020, mm -hmm. I believe all of that stuff. All that stuff I used to make fun of people for believing. So I think a lot of people do. Sometimes when uh, the, the medias jump on uh, topics, I'll let it simmer for a while. 
and then the, the news update will come up and then I'll know. Yeah. Well, if they if they want you to. Look at the Las Vegas shooting. Biggest shooting in uh, in American history. Biggest loss of life in America since 9-11. How long did it take the media to just drop that story? Got totally memory hold. Nobody talks about it. No one talks about it. Why do they do it? We don't know. Stephen Paddock. I'll be that? honest. I didn't know that. That it, it killed more life than 9-11. Uh, not more. It was the second most. Oh, second most. 9-11 was the most, and this was the second most. Okay. And hot potato. Nobody wants to touch it. And why is that? Do you think it's because there's no information? Or do you think it's because it's not information that is beneficial to these media elites to publicize? I, I should look more into that. I mean, that, that, that wasn't this year. Under my radar. Yeah, but, and uh, I know that wasn't this year, but it, that and Sandy Hook, I think, needs to be brought up like years after this, this well, scene. Look, Sandy Hook, I don't know anything. But these events like really foretold. Yeah. I remember and, uh, uh, Alex Jones, I saw the, um, he was, he was, uh, oh, what is that called? Lawyers interview you at the beginning of a trial. It, it doesn't really matter. He was being interviewed because he was being sued by the parents of Sandy Hook victims. Yeah, I remember um, And he said, in part of that interview that he gave, he said, you can't blame me, I have media psychosis. He said, I hear so many crazy things every day that I don't know what to believe. You can't blame me for believing anything. And I, that's believable. That's I, I, believable, I, yeah. actually. Coming from him, and I was on Alex Jones for the longest, um, ever since he was out there with UFOs and stuff like that. He's a good talker. I, I never really spent much time. shape-shifting uh, reporters... And then all of a sudden Trump comes and now he's like totally into fighting for the uh, uh, their, our, our republic. And what our, happened to him? Uh, yeah, he got crucified. He got crucified. He got deplatformed. Alex Jones. Yeah, for 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 his for his uh, category and his niche, he technically did get crucified. Yeah. Because if he was like, I don't know, some painter and, you know, whatever, and then get deplatformed, that's not really like, I think it's a, a big of a, a, a impact. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he had a huge audience. I think he still has a huge audience, but he had a bigger one. Um, the it's, good news it's is... It's so hard to see through all the mist when, whenever I turn into him. Hmm. Because, Alex Jones? Yeah, because as a longtime fan. Same thing with uh, Crowder. You know, there's not every video he produces is gold. And there's some parts in it, yeah, he's just, you know, you should take note. But that's just that part and not the entire video. So Alex Jones is the same way. I think like, that maybe maybe you could catch on to the title and maybe you feel tempted to click on the thumbnail but there'll be like some silver lining in his report that's worth like you know talking about and the rest of it is like you know built up mm. studio type of thing and, and this and that right. you gotta fast forward it's you know show. 
it's a show. I mean, and look, Alex Jones is a great showman. He's a great showman. I would I would give him much more credit than Steven Crowder. I, I think uh, Steven Crowder, also a showman, but I see someone like Steven Crowder as a gatekeeper. I think that he's someone who's there to try to catch people as they're falling towards dissident ideology and keep them in this comfortable zone where where these oligarchs, I'll say it. He, um, he recently dropped a very good Red Pill uh, episode of Change My Mind Affirmative Action. Did you see that one? I, you know what? I, I didn't. I didn't. That one might just deep red pill some people. That topic alone, I loved it. Mm. Especially when he had um this black professor up there. But none other than the black professor. He has some kid up there. And it was so gold watching the kid slowly just send me down and take in what he's saying, what he's proposing. So what was he saying? What was like? What was the point of the video? If you could sum it up. Okay. So the point of the video, from uh, Crowder's point of view, is that affirmative action is racism, and it's racism with the biggest victim being Asian women, mm-hmm. and. Um, also, overall, white people. Yeah, of course, but he, he leads with Asian women. Yeah, he, he leads with Asian women. And I could sort of see why they're the biggest victim. But um, second part is facing black people that are accepted. That's his second point. And how much of a disadvantage they actually are. Because you have to be having lower test scores to be accepted than the overall basis to be in the university and and i i loved it because that 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 was a blatant view of what these leftists honestly believe is benefiting them and it's like yeah that that's a whole lot better than um change my mind is christopher columbus racist you know Mm. i i mean i think Part of me almost, I get where he is. I think that he's in a place that is good for, it's good for certain people who are like just starting to kind of question certain things. Um, and he sort of can send them down into a positive direction potentially. I think, you know, whether or not personally I find it useful to kind of accept the morality of our enemies and say, is, you know, is it racism? Is it not racism? Like, by talking about racism in that way, you are kind of accepting the premise of our enemies. Um, I I would say, you know, I mean, I, and I've heard specifically for affirmative action, I've heard stories um, from people who are in these schools sometimes, uh, black people who are in these schools, that, you know, it's, it's really hard. It's, we got into this school that we shouldn't have gotten into, and now it's harder than we can handle. And I'm studying. And we some drop bullsh- out. I'm studying bullshit on top of that. Well, I'm not oh even yeah. Studying, you know, something that's actual practical use. Well, I'm not studying any kind of marketable skills. No, I'm I'm just in college. I'm in school. I'm getting. I'm I'm like socially. Uh, I'm a social climber. Coming into school like this. And um, every now and then when I approach politics. 
I would hit that barrier and be like, oh yeah, you're black. So you actually do have some type of insight on why black people fail or like actual accounts, like, you know, people you went to church with, people in your family or just your friends. So it, it amazes me whenever those topics do pop up and I realize that, you know, I'm black. I'm like, yeah, that stuff really like, like, I feel like it's like, I don't know, like Mario one punch up. You got a point like, like, uh, I got one up on, on that side of yeah. the topic. And, um, I really wanted to shoehorn into the list. Yeah, no, I think we're, we're way off topic. Let's get back into it. So, um, doing all this research and trying to filter through all the mess of what um, NBC wants to show you, uh, Washington Post wants to show you, CNS wants to show you, um, I feel ashamed. I, I only went through Google and not DuckDuck, whatever. No, there's, there's no shame in that. I think sometimes it's good to see what Google has to say, what Google lets, what's up. So, um, index is not bad. I'm gonna have to put in more time for best of the decade because I think that would be interesting. Get to retrospect uh, those those uh, big time headlines, but the only ones that I could filter through that wasn't like whatever the heck, um, artists, celebrity, music, you know, movies, all that other crap into the top um, news, breaking news that happened in 2019. Great. All right. Now, um, also. I know that um, I could be missing some other things because I feel like I am missing some other things. Oh, I've, I've got a few I, I, I got like a, a ton of uh, um, people who I follow, and I uh, yeah, that's that'll take me hours. And plus, you know, I was just diving into something else even before this. We'll just do kind of a cursory uh, <laughs> look over the uh, the year. All right, it's a big year. A lot of stuff happened. So the first big news that dropped, I would say, is the China landing. I would say that that was a big breakthrough news that that happened. And um, cool thing about it is they landed on the dark side of the moon. Right. Yeah, man. So they were the first ones. That, and you know, I was when I, when you told me the subject for tonight, I was doing a little research, and and I saw that then. I don't remember hearing anything about that. Yeah, I I remember hearing it, and there was hella memes coming out and hella conspiracies saying yeah well now china has to be in on the illuminati and whatever the hell aliens and nazis all that all those weird conspiracies like they know the truth those those you know conspiracy type of channels they were blowing up with what china knows and the insiders on on that type of stuff i heard someone today say that uh say that the moon was getting ready to turn from being the moon into the war god Mars. It was going to turn into Mars, and that's why uh, President Trump said said something like the moon is on Mars. Um, but I, and I, you know what? I didn't even I saw it on uh, on uh, 4chan, and I didn't really read the thread, but I saw, I saw there was a thread about that. It really made me think about the Chinese moon landing on the dark side of the moon. Maybe they have some strategy to prepare for Mars. All right. Um, I guess now that we're on this subject, there was a conspiracy, and it got me trembling because it's saying um, China and Russia, they're they're coming together and putting the pieces together for us globally and how to handle the U.S. and other nations. 
and that them two combined collaborating is a big problem politically because as far as the UN and how the EU operates, they sort of don't want countries to collaborate with each other and have secret meetings. That's why, you know, our country is all gun hold about certain politicians having collaborative meetings with foreign politicians and not notifying, you know, the government and stuff. But with them, you know, doing that, they're they're also taking in uh, consideration of America's debt and what it means to them stepping forward. And the proposal is that they're going to try to do some new type of currency. And we heard this tale from all the way Qatar days 9-11, you know, about they're going to get rid of the petrol dollar. Mm. So what makes me tremble about this is all the way up until this part from 9-11 days and probably even before that Qatar really does like making money and America was the breadwinner of making money and we had the game in there with China now trying to mobilize outside of their country now with them moving like places in Africa I heard and uh, Russia now expanding its own borders because with uh, the polar caps melting there is actually some of those glaciers are receding and Russia's actually gaining back some of its land that they couldn't overall access overall and uh, build more resources um, I mean gain more resources from all that you know new, newly acquired geography that they are has always been blessed with ever since way back in uh, terrible uh, Ivan's day Whenever he fell. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what comes to mind for me when you're when you're saying this, you know. And this is all Russia conspiracy. Yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll go down. We'll go down with it. Um. So, with Russia and China challenging the petrodollar, we're saying that they want to get out of this system. I, every country in the world is in debt. Every single country in the world is in massive debt. To who? This is the question you have to ask. Who is every country in the world in debt to? International bankers. Okay? And these international bankers... So, look, our current monetary system is a debt-based system where the government mortgages their current population against their future population. In order for this to work, everything has to stay more or less stable. The establishment has to just stay exactly the way it is. Nothing can change. So, and this has been happening for generations and generations. When you look at countries, okay, that challenge the petrodollar, that, or, or the petrodollar, that, that challenge this system of international debt slavery, let's go down the list of these countries. Libya, that was Gaddafi's crime, was doing that, was pulling his country out of the system of international debt. Second country, North Korea. Okay, third country, Nazi Germany. The most demonized, hated countries in history are all countries that tried to pull out of the system of international debt slavery. I think that's what Russia and China is trying to do. And I wish them luck. I, I, I think maybe they've looked at history and they've said, look, we see what happened. We see why all of these people have failed because they're not big enough. 
if we got together, you and me, Russia and China, we could be the potentially the first people in history to claw our waves out of this financial slavery. And by that, by that point, I would hope that they would be able to drag some of the rest of us along with them. And not in a nuclear holocaust, please not. I no, I don't think. So. I don't think so. I mean, and this is the this is the thing that's always said is like anytime anybody tries to get out of this out of this debt, uh, there there people say they're gonna kill everyone. Oh no, they're gonna kill everyone. Everybody invade them quick. We have to stop this. But who's saying that? The people in the media. And who owns the media? Who are these the same international bankers? Okay. It's like the greatest but worst story ever told, man. Yeah, well well and this is this is, you know, I haven't heard this thing about Russia and China. I would I'm going to do some more research on that because I'm curious about that. Um if that is true, then I am far from trembling about that. I am optimistic. I hope they win. Because mm. what they want because is that not actually evil. does correlate with the ultimate plan that you know Q is trying to say. Well, so and what I I've been sort of away from Q for a long time. What is that? Oh, Q is like some in, insider in it. Oh, in yeah. Our what is NSA. the plan? I mean, I, yeah, I know. Oh, I know the plan is to uh, liber- liberate the people from you know the system. Something like you know, it sounds like the Matrix. Honestly, it eerily sounds like the Matrix. Now I think about it. Well, this this world that people sort of instinctively, intuitively understand, without having to understand it really intellectually, this the system that people are in, they they understand it, and it's reflected in art, like the Matrix, like Dark City, like there there are plenty yeah, of examples, like one. the Joker. Okay, there are plenty of examples of of people who make this these movies that are in te- not intentionally, you know, full of these esoteric messages about the way the world works. You know, they're not all uh, uh, eyes wide shut, but they they do reflect just intuitively this sense of we are in this system that is not the way they tell us it is, and we are being sucked dry of our resources like cattle. Mm. Yeah. Um. To to correlate, man. Now I got like five points to remember. All right. Let me just get rid of one. Like cattle. There. Uh. I I told you about dark matter. Uh. Twenty five twenty five before. And um. They dropped this very good red pill about like the slaughter, and um. And, and you should like this because you, you like religion. Okay. So I'm trying to get the points together so that I could deliver this the right way. All right. So um, the fisherman. No, 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 no. It's the, the shepherd. He has his flock. And um, he would try to protect his flock from the wolf. So you think that's a good thing. But what happens to the flock after... You know, harvest at a certain time. After what? After harvest. Or, you know, when they got to shave off all their wool. Mm -hmm. You know? So, he was like, alright, not a big deal. You know? But, then Jesus has some other problem. And Jesus is saying this. And Jesus uh, says uh, some other metaphors like, alright. So, we 
we'll cast a net and we'll bring in all the fish that we can. And all the good fish stay in the net with us in the boat while we cast all the bad fish into the fire. I mean, yeah, back, back into the bag because, you know, I'm as I'm remembering this, I'm trying to put this the right way. So he, yeah, so he'll cast all the bad fish into the fire. So then he was like, but what happens to the fish after when they cast all the bad fish into the fire? It's like, then they too will get slaughtered. So he was like, all right, so going back to the flock with the sheep, after you keep on shutting your wool every time, what happens to you after that? You get slaughtered and it ends the same way. So it reflects like back to us being the cattle. We keep making, you know, children. We're, we're up to this point in society and they keep, you know, whatever the conspiracy is with our working class and just to be slaughtered again, essentially, not to be truly on our own because going back to the story, that was like the red pill that he was telling because I got the red pill back when he was talking about the fish and the fire because I remember those metaphors even being preached mm. and shit. So, it's nine times out of ten, sometimes the sheep is better off out in the wilderness if mm. he's never to be recovered by the shepherd. And it's best for the fish not even to be caught up in the in the net. Mm. They're better off as they are. So I was like, you know what? The red pill is family. Far beyond all the other ideologies, your family should ought to be the ultimate red pill in mm. whatever maybe religion or the, you think know politics and, and all that. Yeah, I mean ideology should okay it's it's a it should be a vehicle okay you have to have values first your family should it to me for me traditionally i think for most people family is a strong value even growing up I remember being told all the time, oh, family, family is good. Even in, in movies, in mainstream movies, growing up uh, 20, 15 years ago, um, you know, family is so important. Everything, everything is about the family, the family, the family, the family. It was really drilled in. It was because, because I think that is natural within people. Now, they're trying to redefine that. They're saying, what is a family? Family, you know... A family is not a man and a woman and their children. Oh no, 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 no. I, I passed a billboard on Pompton uh, up in Verona the other day and they had a, uh, it, was, it was for Schumacher Chevy, Schumacher Chevrolet. And it was, it was, it said, come and join our family. And it was a picture of a woman and her dog. And that's it. Join our family. My, I, I bought a dog. Now it's a family with me. Like that doesn't, 
That's insane. That's not what a family is. A family... And, and uh, a lot of people, they will come across that same billboard and try to think deep into the thing. Oh, they're trying to attract single women who just got a dog in their house and they're trying to signal, yeah, that's where family is other than... Yeah, it's okay to have... To... Because, because you know what's happening? People aren't having families right now because they can't afford it and because we are having a social breakdown. Um, so people aren't having families. So these advertisers are having to say, oh, no, 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 I know, we just told you family was important for your whole childhood, but uh, family is actually uh, just to get a dog. Now you have a family too, right? Because it's hard for them to counter this idea that people are not having families now. Traditional families are going the way of the dinosaur in America. It's very sad. It's very, very sad. Um, and so they're saying, okay, well, what is a family? They're doing their postmodernist thing. Families, you and your dog. You want to buy a turtle? You have a family now. That, that turtle costs $12. Yeah. And I can see the Amazon um, freaking ad for it, you know. Now, now, now the millennial got their turtle and they're smiling. Mm. Yeah. There's this smile like this this matrix bro. I swear like every now and then yeah. I will wake up and see these O's and zeros for what they are. Yeah. Well I mean and I don't know what scares me more is falling out or coming out, <laughs> you know? Falling in or coming out, I should say. You wanna be like Cypher. <laughs> Cypher from the Matrix. I don't wanna remember nothing. Nothing, okay? Nothing. Yeah. I, I get it. I, I understand that. But, you know, if I was to come out the Matrix, I'd be kind of pissed that I don't remember shit. <laughs> like, well, who talked me into this shit? Like, well, the Matrix, they're the ultimate salesman. What is he saying? Well, in, in that scene, Cypher in the Matrix, he, he wants to go back into the Matrix and forget about the real world and not remember anything from it. And why? Is that so important to him? Because once you know that none of this is real, once you know it's all fake and gay, there's no going back. That's why these people, these um, these these ex-Nazis that come out and they say, "Well, now I'm against hatred. Now I convert Nazis into into being just regular guys like you and me. We love Jews now." Like nobody trusts them. The media, these Jews, don't trust them. Even no matter what they say. Because they know that once you see the reality of what it is, you can never unsee it. Yeah, and I'm trying bad. to I'm trying to think of any red pill guy that went totally blue pill. And I'm like, doesn't happen. Cool. Because they only go red pill, or they only go like gray pill, but they're trying to signal as a red pill, you know. Well, that's what they and, say. And God bless the people that that are able to be. In the middle, grave pill, whatever that is. You know, I think things are getting so bad. I think things are really getting so bad that I think we need more people involved in radical dissident politics. Because that's the only way anything will change. If everybody is if everybody's centrists, then you might as well just be an establishmentarian. Like you're just there for the current establishment. You you are a lick spittle to the establishment, to these uh, oligarchs. Um, and, and so we need, we need 
people to be more extreme. You know, there was this, um, reminds me of this Manchester study of the University of Manchester where they, um, they, they were doing a study on ethnic diversity in an area and what the effects would be. And ultimately they found lower voting turnout, lower donation to charity, uh, more feeling of isolation, um, and, oh, the last one ties it right back into what we were just talking about. Um, and, oh, damn. Yeah, we, we went over so many topics, man. Yeah, no, I, I, my, my apologies. I go off on these tangents, but, um. It's, it's cool. I, I, I love talking about uh, this, and you, you was now remembering people skewing far into their politics and oh recently i noticed that oh, oh, most i'm so sorry i'm so sorry go, go, the go, reason go. i brought that up is the last bullet point was that people were more interested in dissident uh uh radical politics in a more racially diverse area yeah and that happened more and more yeah yeah which just follows what what i noticed the correlation is every nation every ethnicity has their gangs and what their gangs are saying is more ethnic you know ideologies and people tend to fall into that and people and people i think do get a good wake-up call within themselves on a, on a more personal level i think that way because it puts truth on the table as far as for, for anybody, for everybody, I, I believe that if anybody is able to address their cards, honestly, they're better off playing the global game. And you know, I think, uh, you know, what the leftists are trying to tell you is, no, nah, they'll play those cards, you know, <laughs> whatever the heck. So, um, yeah, that that was the point that, that I wanted to make, that, that I noticed that. All, all ethnicities got their crimes and their crimes and, you know criminals my bad you know they, they, they skew more into their ethnic ideologies heck sure. yeah well they, they make sense also the crimes that these different groups commit also make sense in terms of their collective ethnic history um, I mean look if if African Americans were brought over as slaves and then were kept separate as outsiders to the rest of the country, um, it makes sense that there would be a higher rate of, of theft and violence because, because there's a feeling of being excluded already and being unfairly treated. Um, whereas in white no. people, there's white collar crimes because they feel like they are part of this establishment, and they they view themselves as as these sort of armchair quarterbacks who just say what happens. I, I wouldn't say that. I would say that their 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 crime rate would automatically be high regardless if they was integrated, as uh, shown in Montclair. Well, that yeah. blacks just overall commit a lot I, of crime I in the most so and that's that is evolved you know that is like a higher testosterone um on average um lower average iq and um, yeah blacks auto you know filter some of that especially the males auto filter that testosterone in the sports and you see how much they thrive that's right you know no that's true um there is there is some kind of energy 
that that is not adequately addressed in like going to work and stamping papers bro good red pill that i just thought about was when they was going over black inventors a lot of them debunked yeah I know. only two was true and it was a super soaker and it was um the electric uh, like refrigerator in a car in a in a truck not even a light bulb that i mean not like a bulb like a traffic light Nah, that that's was a, debunked also because really? somebody else made the actual color light bulb and all he had was a sign that went stop and go not even a yellow oh, wow so what we recognize as a traffic stop is actually created by caucasian you know it's it's really it's it's amazing how obvious and clear like these these facts of history are if anybody chooses to look for them exactly that's the great thing about science but leftists would go pal science well they say that's debunked yeah yeah they'll say they'll just they'll just on on its face just dismiss anything well for for us we don't have no problems debunking each other if anything we we're starting to smile yeah. Please debunk. You know, like that—that's well, what we're all about. We're engaging. We're, we are actually debunking because we're interested in the reality of the situation. We're on the left. They are terrified that they're going to be found out. That these ideas that might feel good to them uh, are actually bullshit, and someone is about to prick the balloon. Um, so they react out of fear and defensiveness. So they're angry. Yeah, that's is it. All boils down to actual ideologies and practicalities, and ideologies ought to stay in your head and not meant for practical use. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose so. What? Now, I mean, we we would wish you know things would get along, but honestly, on the board of every you know, oh, that's what I thought about you know inventions. And it correlates with uh, racial science on on the true basis that all ethnicities have their niche or contribution to human evolution, if you will. Blacks a certain way with sports, with their bodies. We never would guess what they're able to do with initial sports that were created Mm -hmm. by Caucasians. But what they do and Asians, they're really good at recreating and I believe they secretly want the West to lead the world because they recognize what the West has contributed culturally and scientifically. They also, you know, look at things very clear. So they're very analytical. Yeah. With with that being said, I think that if you know, I don't want to repeat myself over and over. Well, that's okay. But um, I do want to shoehorn, you know, what was another thing that happened, you know, that we're talking about ethnicities is the conflict between India and Pakistan. Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. And um, I think that's kind of crucial because giving the power, and I'm saying uh, like geo financial power uh, India has and um, what they're capable of. I remember you brought it to my attention that the president of Pakistan held a, a speech here in America 
and a lot of Indian Americans came to hear what he had to say, even though they're American, mm-hmm. but they recognize honestly that, yeah, he in some sort, he is still our leader. He's more their leader than Donald Trump. Because they see him and they say, that's one of my people. And America, you know, is wishy-washy with with ours. And that just really ought to wake Americans up. Like, like stop pretending like you don't have a say-so on this table. And you don't have honor. And you don't have, like, history at this table. And don't just swindle it all away amongst each other in the back. Yeah, like Russia and China are right now at the table, looking at, at us dead in the eyes, and right. The best thing we got is Donald Trump, and between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, still to this day, I would say, yeah, Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, I would have to agree. And after Donald Trump, I don't know. I'm I'm not that far into the future. Yeah. Well, I mean, he will win his second term because looking at all these political candidates, I think the only two, and you could guess, who really might make it is Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. Mm. And Joe Biden's going to get destroyed, and Bernie Sanders might have the most pull, but it, it might be a flashback of Hillary Clinton. You just tried for your last time, and it's going to be your fault. Well, I mean, do you? Uh, I, did you know? First of all, just a, a brief footnote about the people who are running: that between Bloomberg and Steyer, they have those two candidates alone have spent two hundred billion dollars on their campaign so far, and we're early on in the campaign. I don't know Steyer, but I could believe Bloomberg. The CEO of Starbucks. There, there are two two finance capital Jews who are openly trying to buy the presidency. Yeah, they're that's openly, what I was going to say. They never say. Have tried to do that before, but now they're openly bold-faced just trying to buy the presidency for two hundred billion dollars. Um, and that's and that's just the beginning. They're going to spend much more than that. Um, usually, usually they try to get you know their shabos goy. They-